Well, let's see if uh, let's see if I can just figure out how I'm gonna work this. This is. I oh, you're right there. It. You're right Am there. I? I just clicked on I'm the right scene. Here. Look at that. Oh my Hi. gosh. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. That's um, a song, by the way. Fucking Swifty. <laughs> I can't name like three of her songs. Yes, you can. If you really wanted to, you could without searching it. Two G twenty four. Okay. Do you want time on the clock, or do you just is it called? Is it called "Look What You Made Me Do"? Or does it have a different song title? No, I think "Look What." Okay, I'm gonna. Here we go. I think it's "Look What You Made Me Do" or "What You Made Me." Uh, uh, hold on. Uh. Okay. So that's one. Yeah. Um. There's the one where she, um, if it was a dude singing it, it would be creepy, but because it's Taylor Swift, it's fine. You belong with me. You belong with me. Yeah. That's There's one. the other one where she drops a certain three-letter slur that she wouldn't dare say anymore. That was from like 2008 when she was country. I don't remember the full song. I just remember she, uh, uses the slur. Um... What what would she say before she wrote your name? And I'll write your name. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess that is one too. Yeah. And then there's the the, the it's me. Okay, so I, that's like four. Okay. Uh, what's the it's me song called? Hi, it's me. The problem? Problem. Taylor Swift is the problem. Uh self-reflection. Uh, I'm fucking drowning, and you're just letting me go here. Thanks. I'm playing the song. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. I see. Oh, it's called God. Antihero. Anti- Oh, yeah, because- <laughs> Okay. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, those I who gotcha. are watching the VOD, or, uh, this on- on the YouTubes, uh, yeah, or whatever, you probably couldn't hear that. Uh, also, we would have accepted Shake It Off. Mmm, I should, yeah, yeah, I should have gotten that one. That's, that, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. you really should have. Uh, yeah. also. Heartbreaker's gonna break. True. Uh, I Knew You Were Trouble. Mmm, you're right, I should, okay, you know what, now, okay, you know, I, you're right, you're right. I, I should have done better, I could have done better. The one that I, I tried to throw you the, the little softball there was Blank Space, baby. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, you know, you know more than you think you know. That's true. That's true. Never it's sell yourself difficult. short on Taylor Swift uh, facts or trivia, Tukes. We we learned something today, Crash. Yeah. We did. Well, with that, welcome to the second Turnbuckle Podcast, everybody. I am Crash. The stream info. Oh, maybe I should do that. Yeah. Should probably uh, do. That. Let's no. Let's dominate the NHL directory. <laughs> I agree. Uh, okay, well then I'll just restart. You know, welcome, you do welcome here. I'm Crash. Uh, that guy over there, this way, visually, uh, is Toogie Twenty Four, the Godfather mm -hmm. of the NHL directory, as I like to call him. Uh, uh Toogs. Hi. We. It's me. Hi. It is. Hi. It's you. <laughs> Are you gritty now? Um, yeah, you have to leave in the entire the entire Taylor Swift conversation. Yes, now. no, that's got it. That it will stay. Uh, 
Listen, we like to banter. We did the kind of the cold open unintentionally turned into a toiler, Taylor Swift love fest. Um, mm-hmm. But we do have to start the podcast off. It, it almost feels like it's a weekly segment at this point with, uh, with the passing of uh, not only a in-ring icon, but an icon outside of the ring as well in the Iron Sheik. Yeah, he and superstar Billy Graham in less than a month, man. It's sad. Like it's a it's a big big hit for the, you know, 70s even into the 80s and obviously, you know, their popularity maintained throughout and you know, especially in the last decade or so, the Iron Sheik becoming just that much bigger of a meme. You could even argue, I mean, really about, about the past 15 years. I mean, I think it was like the Botchamania intro especially and what that show did to propel him into sustained popularity. And then, yeah, it's just, it sucks. It's sad. But at the same time, he was, what, 81 years yeah. old? Like, yeah. that's that's a good fucking run. Because you don't see too many wrestlers of his era and the immediate era afterwards, you know, make it that long. Right. And he is... You know, for the internet wrestling fan, especially, still one of the most recognizable names and faces of a generation. And there's not too much else you can say. The man, the man won the heavy. Well, fairness, did he, did he have, okay, we're adding this to my search history. We're going to go for Iron Sheik Boner. Um, Was that the Hogan match where he dropped the title? I think it was. I think why, it was. Why he, um, do you always take a... I, I know I go off on tangents. Yeah. But why do you go off on, like, tangents that I'm not proud to have this <laughs> podcast with my kids in the other room? <laughs> it's true, though, I man. Got, like, got, I'm not denying that he may have had an erection during a wrestling match. Yeah. But like, we he, have he did, to talk unless... about it. Unless that cup went horizontal. <laughs> like, that's what it was. This is why they wear tights and not loose pants. There you go. <laughs> Although, had he been wearing sweatpants, he could have done the tuck trick and he would have been fine. Continue. Rest in peace to a legend. I was going to ask you, was the most disappointing part of his life when you found out that his Twitter account was not run by him, but apparently you already had a more disappointing memory. <laughs> I mean, that was the most obvious thing in the world, though, right? right? The fact that his is... And again, it's it's great. Like, the agents that he worked with, they took part in the documentary that was made about him a few years ago, which was phenomenal, by the way. Uh, but it was very obvious. It's like, okay, it's them. They're leaning into, here's this meme of... Him and the appearances that he did have on like the Howard Stern show and right. stuff like that. It's like they did very, very well uh, to run that account the way they did because, yeah, it absolutely sustained his popularity. There are not too many wrestlers whose relevancy was primarily in the 80s that were able to continue that relevancy. 40 years later that's just it wasn't too often a thing like yes you would have relevancy of say ricky steamboat still very very relevant for an outside perspective 
man, no, I don't I don't think too many people are really going to know who Ricky Steamboat is. But if you ask them about the Iron Sheik, they're like, the Twitter account. Right. And that's something. But, but like, the, the Twitter account encapsulated the persona that he... Because, I mean, my timeline today was absolutely filled of um, either him or Hulk Hogan on the Howard Stern show. And, yeah. you know, there's Hogan and Sheik just going at each other. And then at the end, Hogan goes, I love you. And then Sheik just drops everything. And goes, oh, I love you too, brother. And then hangs up. <laughs> but I'm just even looking at some of the, um, <laughs> some of the posts. Starships are meant to fly. What the fuck you think, jabroni? <laughs> Again, like the Twitter account itself is masterful and has Just, been for a very, very long time. These are only a couple days old. Fuck the little house on the prairie. <laughs> uh, the most relevant uh, thing modern day, a little house on the prairie. Very, very relevant. Yeah. Um, knock, knock. Who's there? Go. Go who? Go fuck yourself, you you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, but me bringing up his fucking erection was too much for you. Well, okay. no. Okay, you know what? That's not the worst story. Because, uh, like I said, one of the clips was um, Stern asking him what he meant by a certain phrase he used when he talked about Hulk Hogan. Uh-huh. Yeah. And somehow yep. a, a Coke bottle got involved. Um... <laughs> I'm not going to repeat any el anything else. Fuck the AI. Oh my god. Sorry, at Annie Lennox. I pocket dial you. Be in touch another time. <laughs> like... It's genius. Oh, it was, it was absolutely amazing that, like, when I saw the uh, iPhone notes uh, posted, you knew something mm -hmm. was up. You knew, like... I didn't even I didn't even have to read what it said. I knew mm -hmm. that was it because it was so off brand. So yeah. um, do you have any favorite memories? Because uh, I kind of my favorite memory is probably the um, the gimmick battle royal. Mm. And I actually just found out, uh, you know, you go on TikTok and people get metrics for just posting clips of TV shows and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, somebody had posted the clip, them talking about Iron Sheik being in bad shape for that match. And that match was 10 years ago. If what, not the gimmick more. Battle Royal? Yeah. Oh, dude, that was 2001. That was... <laughs> oh, Jesus, that was 20. Um, he was, he yeah. was in bad physical shape. Like, it took him forever to get to the ring. Once he got in the dude, ring... His he knees... won the match because, because he, he was could not shape. physically go over the top rope. <laughs> That's why he won. I, That's a fact. I looked at that match and I'm like, you know what? It's fitting that it was him. Like, without knowing that, while the match was going on, it was kind of fitting that it was the Iron Sheik, one of the, the biggest legends of, you know, WWE, WWF, WWE, um, or F. Um, so for him to win, it was kind of like, you know what? That, that actually makes sense. And then 20 years later, you find out the only reason he, they were protecting him from mm -hmm. even more damage to what he's already done to his body. Like, I, I can't imagine the stories that we never heard about Iron Cheek. I would imagine they're almost like Ric Flair-esque, but he never bragged about it the way that Ric Flair did. Yeah. So. Yeah, fair. 
Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, for me, memory. I mean, obviously, it's it's just the internet memes aplenty. It's the oh, just the even you know, it's funny. I think I saw it was Miro on Twitter who was just like, you know, when the the clip of him with the big ass fucking clubs just whipping swinging them, them around. around. Yeah, and it's like you watch that and you just you know, it's like oh, those aren't hollowed out like a freaking bowling pin. You realize those things are solid, and it's just like oh. My God, the strength of this person. So there's just a lot of little things like that. More so than like one big defining moment where someone else of that era could pass. And you're just like, oh, well, there's this, there's that. That stands out. Um, I feel like most of most of the stuff for him is going to be post his his wrestling career. Yeah, it's it's going to be, be more the, of the interviews it's be and the, the social media. Yeah, uh, I might yeah. screw this up, but I'm going to try it. It didn't work. Let's do. Uh, uh, I gotta Derail show the show. Derail the show. Show. So, <laughs> this is <laughs> Jokic uh, getting animated in game two with his hands out, right? <laughs> they think he bred hard Bubba. <laughs> like... <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, I think, <sighs> other than that, like, I never really saw him wrestle because, again, got it in the 80s when he was kind of on his way out. But yeah. him being the mouthpiece for Sergeant Slaughter when he did his, like, his turn. When he was, mm. like, a sympathist for Iraqi and, and all of that. Yeah. Being involved with that was, was huge to have him involved. Even though, like, Sergeant, <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter never needed a mouthpiece. But he got, Je- well, he got one. The I- the idea of here's your mouthpiece, the Iron Sheik, is still <laughs> just—it's almost oxymoronic, really. So but. Terry number one was was because Terry number two is Hogan. Terry mm-hmm. number one that we referenced uh, last week, I believe it was, um, or the week before, wasn't he originally touted as being like the nephew or yeah, the nephew of the Iron Sheik? I'm talking about Sabu, just in case you don't. I, I, yeah, okay. It, it took it took me a second, but yeah, once you once you mentioned that, um, no, different sheiks. There's the Iron okay. Sheik, and then there's the just the Sheik. The Sheik. That, uh, yes. Gotcha. Out of out of Detroit, primarily, who uh, instead of Twitter memes, loved fireballs and violence. Interesting. Yeah. Did you uh, did you see anything on uh, the Gambler? passing away yet not passing away on social media no he was a wcw character i don't i don't know too much about him either <laughs> i thought you were talking about kenny rogers and like didn't he die a, a few years ago, ago yeah <laughs> uh wcw uh the gambler jeff gone um turns so, out he's not very he's not gone anyway. well that's the thing so like uh like, even Chris Jericho four hours ago posted uh, oh. about it. Uh, basically, you know, saying he wrestled him, uh, had no confidence, and Jeff guided him through and everything. Jeff's son, oh. 12 hours ago, pre-Chris Jericho's post, uh, said, I don't know who started the rumor of my dad, Jeff Gone, the gambler uh, from WCW's past. He is alive. I talked to him at 10.15 Eastern Time. He is alive, not dead. Uh, that mm-hmm. is the only, only post saying that this guy's still alive. 
where everybody else is like confirming that this guy passed away. So kind of a weird little side tangent to um, the news of uh, wrestlers passing. This guy just carried a deck of cards <laughs> to the ring. I uh, can't believe it. Uh, um, I mean, hey, it wouldn't be like. the first wouldn't be the first time that uh, wrestling media has gotten something wrong recently. Fair. But, uh, you know, I like this get up here. Say? I like this get up who's here with the hat, with the card in it, and you know, mm. looking like uh, Mel Gibson from uh, what's the was it? No, it wasn't the Gambler. Maverick, the movie Maverick. Uh, so, I mean, if you are dead, uh, then, uh, rest in peace, Jeff gone. If you're not, well, you know, go fuck yourself, Bubba. We'll Shout miss out you Irish when Sheik. you are gone. Yes. Uh, do you want to take, uh, you, like the, the, you wanted to bring up Dark Side. Do you want to do that before we rank? Uh, up to you. You, you can direct us. I'm, I'm good with either. You know what? Go ahead. And then that Ooh. way I can kind of prepare a little bit. Cool. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you've seen the first two episodes of this recent season of Dark Side of the Ring. They are both fantastic. Um, the most recent one that aired this week was on Magnum TA, which, you know, is a tough watch, but it isn't because you get a real look finally at like, hey, he's done okay, right? Like it's a career that was ended. It's insane. It wasn't a life that was ended. You know, it has a, a more optimistic outlook. Uh, the season debut, they love the heavy hitters of season debuts. If I'm not mistaken, and uh, I do actually want to look this up really quickly, uh, in terms of their, their season debuts, they always have the habit of starting off with a real fucking tough one. Um, the very first episode was about Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. That's a tough one given, you know, both have since passed away. The debut of season two was a fucking two-parter on the Benoit's, which was obviously very tough to watch. And then season three was a two-parter on Brian Pillman. Right. This season four debut was about Chris Candido and uh, Tammy Sitch, Sonny. Right. And uh, man, it's not an easy watch at all. It just isn't, um, you know, it's, it's tough for a few different reasons. It obviously tells the story of, of both of them, how they met. And then it has the branching pads of, well, here's Chris Candido's story of being just the nicest kid, straight laced, just desperate to be a wrestler. That's all he ever wanted to be. And how you start falling into the drug issues of the mid nineties and, you know, all the way up to, hey, he's finally bouncing back and getting his career on track. And then he he dies like he gets hurt at a TNA pay-per-view in 2005, has surgery the next day, shows up at the impact taping the next day, flies home to New Jersey two days after getting surgery and, and dies because, well, it was a combination of a blood clot and pneumonia, ultimately, which was, again, he was 33 at the time, just incredibly tragic and then obviously you get into the whole tammy sitch side of the story which of course i mean jesus christ she was most recently in the news because she killed a 75 year old man while you know being drunk behind the wheel on a suspended license and she faces i think it's 26 years in prison it's just a genuinely tragic 
story and you have you know people who are close like man i if you can watch lance storm yeah. breaking and tearing up tom pritchard jim Cornette, and this is what fucking gets me because it's like mm-hmm. you almost just want to slap them and it's like okay i get it you're playing a heel but man you go too far sometimes mm-hmm. but then when you're talking about something that you're passionate about or remembering someone that you really really fucking cared for you do come off as just this genuine fucking person and i've never seen jim Cornette talking about anybody um and granted i there wasn't like a video form from when bobby eaton passed away but to visibly see jim Cornette get so shaken that he had to up and walk out of the room when talking about Chris Candido, like it's tough to keep it together, man. That was one of the more difficult episodes of that show to watch. So uh, it's worth the watch, but yeah, pretty, uh, pretty heavy hitting. And I think, you know, not every episode is going to be that rough, um, but there are some rough ones. I think the, the next episode coming up next week is about the Graham family, which Spoiler alert ends in a series of suicides. Um, so that's not an easy one. There's the story of Adrian Adonis coming up this season where he uh, died in a car accident in the uh, in the 80s, if not the very beginning of the 1990s. They have stories about uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, freaking Marty Jannetty's the season finale. And it's mm. like, you hate to fucking say it, but my God, he's alive right now. You could get the news in five minutes that Marty Jannetty passed away, and that would be the least surprising wrestling death in a very, very long time. So, uh, yeah, they're going for some heavy-hitting topics this season. But, uh, um, I just want to quickly... Great. Just when you were talking about Sonny, I, I don't... Those who were watching this saw me trying to hold the laughing because I got a shout-out to... Uh, Peppa the Fat Pig 23 for the follow on Twitch. Um, mm. I did not see, like, I've, I haven't, have I watched a full episode? I have seen, like, the, the WCW Japan tour. Mm-hmm. A good chunk of that one. Um, I have to, I have to go back and, and watch, because I know, like, uh, I know what you're talking about with Jim Cornette because I think I saw some clips of him talking about Owen Hart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether, from uh, whether two seasons ago. The wrestler, last. yeah. The wrestler Owen Hart or the moment. And yeah. that's a side of Jim Cornette we don't get to see often. And it sounds like we got to see it in, in that episode of mm-hmm. he's not playing. He's not kayfabing. He's not, he is a human being talking about another human being that he cared for. Um, I did see a clip on TikTok about, uh, the slop bucket. Mm -hmm. Just a little spoiler, kids. If you haven't seen this episode, not a lot of actual slop in there. A lot of, uh, as they called it, DNA. (laughs) That I remember vividly watching that as like, I think that was like 92, 93. So I would have been the same age as my youngest son, about 12, 13. And, uh. I could correct you, but I won't. Well, what year was it? Would have been around 96. Was it 96? So I'm still 16. Yeah, 95, 96. Which yeah. I'm thinking that that's just oatmeal and, and milk. You know, <laughs> like, well, yeah. uh, now to find out at 42. And, mm. you know, you, you do hear the stories. I haven't read the Bret Hart book. There's, uh, from what I understand, there's a, a significant amount of sunny stories in that book as well. Fair amount, yeah. Yeah. 
So you you hear the rumors, you know, you you read some of the stories, you don't put two and two together, and then you find out about that kind of stuff, and it's just like, oh wow, like that is uh surprising but not surprising in the same same vein, if if you yeah. will. Um but yeah, the the dark side is is definitely something that I uh that's one that it, I don't even know if that's a binge watch show because it sounds like it's like depressing after every episode. <laughs> I mean, because it, it like, is a binge watch. So there are the the lighter episodes and there are the the heavier episodes, right? Like season two came out in 2020. And it's like you have an episode on the Brawl for All, which is obviously just <laughs> Vince Russo getting fucking roasted for an hour. Right. Um, you got an episode on uh, David Schultz slapping John Stossel in the 80s. Hmm. But also, again, that was the season that starts off with the two-parter about the Benoit tragedy. Uh, there's one that covers uh, New Jack. There's one yes. that covers Jimmy Snuka and uh, Nancy Argentino. You know, the woman he murdered. And it's a shame she's known for that, but that's ultimately it is what it is. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the season recaps with the, the Owen Hart story. And again, that was that was you watch that season two finale of Dark Side about the Owen Hart accident. Good luck being a fan of the WWE after that. Yeah. Good I, fucking luck. I remember sitting on the couch in my old house reading the book. And. Mm having to put the book down because it is it's basically going through the one chapter i don't know if you've read um i think it's martha hart's book i haven't no. um one of the chapters is basically like he had to climb a ladder and, or he had to take an elevator but it didn't get him all the so he had to climb up a ladder and then he had to go over a catwalk and it's basically like if you get sucked into this book, you are now climbing up that ladder. You are now walking that catwalk. You are now talking to the guy who gives you a little dinky carabiner rather than two or three uh, substantially sized carabiners for what you're about to do. Mm. And how Owen had a hard time saying no to Vince. Um, you know, he always wanted to be the company guy. He always wanted to make sure that the company was taken care of because he knew the company would take care of him. Mm. And mm. even being mm. up there, you know, they they kind of... Uh, Martha writes that he hated heights. He didn't want to be up there. Anyways, uh, not a, I didn't want to turn this into a book review, but, you know, to now watch the account again, I remember watching that pay-per-view. I remember, um, you know, getting the news that he actually died before they announced it uh, on... Uh, on TV, on the early uh, uh, wrestling websites and stuff. So, you know, to to kind of go through that on a visual uh, tour all over again, like I think that's one of the reasons why I've avoided it, especially mm. that episode. That that's going to be a rough episode to try and get through personally. So, but, in general, it's a yeah. rough one to get through. So, but you'd recommend it. Uh, <laughs> it's an amazing show. I, well, no, I mean, it is an amazing uh, you know, show in the yeah. way that it's put together. It's just, yeah, you know, you know what you're signing up for when you, you know, watch uh, an episode of a show called Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. And 
depending on the subject matter, like, yeah, you know if it's going to be a little bit lighter or if it's going to be something that, that sticks with you. I mean, you know, last season, I mean, fuck, there was the oh. episode about Jake Roberts, and it's like, holy shit, like, that took me two sittings to get through because I did eventually hit the point of just like, yeah, I need to I need to walk away for a minute. So. I did watch a good chunk of the Brian Pillman episode, hmm. which was very interesting on, uh, you know, just the... The guy wasn't a shitbag. He was a generally, you know, wanted to be a good father, but also be a good wrestler and just struggled with the two. Right? Um, so let's have a little bit more fun because, you know, that was. A yeah, little, fun. We've had a downer and then a downer. Uh, so I threw out the idea because I like when we do. I used to love when we did like Sporacle. <laughs> so mm-hmm. this will be this will be a good. Uh, I wanted to see how you would rank, and I did put in here that you can throw Japan in there, but I did say I wanted, I want to see how you would rank the North American men's titles by importance. Uh, now you can throw whatever company you want in there. I'm probably, I threw five out there, WWE, NXT, AEW, Impact, and ROH. I think, you know, we're going to see a good chunk in the top and then scattered in at the bottom with some of them, but what do you define as the top title in wrestling right now? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, because obviously like, you know, if you were to talk about historically, how strongly I felt about each title in terms of its importance, it would change, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously depending on era. Um, Right now, to me, the title that I care the most about in terms of the biggest men's title in a promotion is the AEW World Championship. That is the one that I am most intrigued by. But are you, do you think that that is the, I don't even know, how, like, the most valuable? Like, would you, would you put the A, like, I, I get where you're coming from, because mm-hmm. uh, we've said it many times, like, the WWE is hard to watch right now. So I can understand why you would go AEW, but do you actually see the AEW title currently? You know, you can, you can use the history to get here. The fact that the AEW title has only been around for a handful of years versus decades of history. But if you had a blank, that's not even a fair question to ask you because if you had a blank contract in front of you, you would still go AEW just because, and I, I, and I understand why, but do you not put the universal title of WWE? Yeah. Like in a a general sense, that's going to be viewed as the most important title in the wrestling business. It's been that way with the exception of like one or two years in the, in the nineties, it's been, or, you know, a couple of years here and there in the 80s, like, that's been the case since Buddy Rogers held the goddamn title. So, you know, outside of some people being like, actually, the NWA title is the most important, which to a point, but ever since Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik and his raging hard on (laughs) at Madison Square Garden, that has been viewed generally as the most important title in wrestling. You had to bring it back in there. Um, Okay, so then we have... uh, Okay, so... If we both say number one is the universal title, mm-hmm. do you put the AEW title over the new heavyweight title that Seth Rollins is holding? 
Because again, like you you look at the companies and you look at their main titles. Now WWE has technically three, but two titles. Well, and it, again, like it, for your phrase in the question this way. Yeah, the WWE titles in general are going to be more important, more valuable. I mean, I think the only way you can phrase this question to actually have a discussion about it instead of essentially, because the way you're phrasing it now comes down to, well, you might as well just ask what promotion because it's going to line up that way. But if it were to be from a personal standpoint about what title you have the most interest in. Okay. I think you could do something because even if you're asking like, well, historically, then I mean, obviously WWE titles, like if you're at, if you were to be like, oh, the Rollins titles been around for two weeks or however the fuck long it's been right now. Um, obviously, historically, there's not much to it. So um, I don't know. I think there's a way to phrase the question, but the way you phrased it to me so far leads me to just have to say, like, well, yeah, the WWE titles are more important. In That's airports. fair. I would. I would actually put AEW second, the AEW heavyweight title as the most important title. Universal first, or uh, unified, or whatever you want to call it, uh, that Roman Reigns is carrying around. Uh, the AEW title ahead of the heavyweight title, as far as its current importance. Uh, I get what you're, you know, I, I just think a brand new title... Let me think here, because where I was here, I'll explain where I was going with this, and I think it makes more sense in the middle of the pack. Um, I think the three, uh, the two WWE titles and then the one AEW title, they're in their own stratosphere. I don't think you can put any other title in there currently. Um, sure. So where this comes in now is. The, the IC title, the US title, I would put the NXT title, I'd put the Impact Heavyweight title. I don't think that I'd put the X Division or the Digital title in here. Uh, Those the are R things. The sure. ROH titles, uh, and then the North American title. I think I've... Oh, and um, the one that uh, Orange Cassidy, it used to be the... The international. The international title. I keep thinking the intercontinental, and that's wrong. So uh, maybe it's more those mid-titles. And would you, you know, would you put a impact title? I guess you don't necessarily have to list it, but would you put an impact title at the head of that because it is a heavyweight title? Would you put the ROH heavyweight title higher? And I guess maybe it isn't fair because ROH has got more history. Uh, Impact technically has got a lot of history as well because it was a form of the NWA at one time. Uh, guys like Sting and uh, Kurt Angle and uh, unsober Jeff Hardy did carry it mm. at, at some time. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's kind of the way to put it. Is you know where do you stack something like an Impact Heavyweight Title and ROH Title versus? Uh, Saying intercontinental in U.S. <sighs> so again, it's it's the question of like currently. Again, if you're going to answer from the perspective of currently, what's more important? It's it's going to be like the intercontinental title. It's going to be the WWE title over anything Impact or Ring of Honor related. Still, like I said, if you were to 
phrase it from the perspective of, well, in terms of historically, these championships, which ones have you enjoyed more? I think you could open it up for different for different answers. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I feel like if it's it's going to come down to like, well, WWE titles are more important then you know, yeah, if you're going to compare secondary, it's like, all right, well, then you got the AEW titles. And it's like, well, what's more important, the Intercontinental or the AEW? And it's like, well, how? what are you going to compare those by? Okay. But then you get into like, okay, well, Impact, Ring of Honor. And then again, that just comes down to, well, what promotion do you think is more important in 2023? So, and that could be a bit of a toss up, really. So, okay. So, if Crash, you... I'm not sure how to answer your question. <laughs> I'm trying to get something out of you. Uh, okay. So, it... in that case, so if AEW and WWE are seen as 1A and maybe 1C, technically 1B, but, you know, they still have a ways to go. But I'm still putting the heavyweight title in the middle of the two uh, WWE titles. And then NXT, ROH, and Impact are your um, uh, your Bs or your twos. Do you, and you're still putting, so you're putting Intercontinental and, and US title ahead of, because it's still in, in WWE. Is that fair? I mean, I, I guess. Like, okay. I mean. So are you. <laughs> And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to bait you. I'm not trying to trap you with. No, anything. I just don't just, know how you want me to answer. This. I just want you to answer how you want to answer. But would would you call an impact or ROH heavyweight title more important than an NXT heavyweight title? And I get I, I, I understand I'm being vague. I, I want to know how you want to answer it and how you see those titles stack up, because honestly, I see an impact heavyweight title a little bit more important than the NXT title. Um I I would disagree. Uh okay. maybe from a historical standpoint, I think you could view the Ring of Honor title or uh the Impact title as a bit more important, but in terms of relevance to today, the pipeline of NXT champions to the main roster, it's it's the NXT title's more important in a sense. Today, okay. Fair. Uh what about North American um, X division. What's They're the all just secondary? I mean, not a huge difference or gap between them. Gotcha. Really. So, what was your favorite title growing up? Oh, that is a wonderful, wonderful question. Um, I mean, obviously, like, okay, so when you first start watching, it's like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I start watching under the era of like, okay, here's Stone Cold and The Rock. The tag title scene was great. Always had a you know, a, a personal love of the, the big gold belt, of course, whether it was for the WCW side of things or, you know, you get to 2002 and it's a part of the WWE roster. So hardcore title was always great, too. Just saw Hawks mention that. I mean, you know, fond memories of Crash Holly wrestling in a fucking ball pit against the Mean Street Posse. So... <laughs> I mean, hey, stop being political. Tell me your favorite belt growing up. From it, what standpoint? No, just like what what title, which and it doesn't have to be like, oh, it was the Stone Cold heavyweight. It just was it the heavyweight title? Was it the was it the big gold? Like which which one attracted you? Which one if. I, I use the term 
earlier uh, in our podcast career of if I was in the other room and I heard there was going to be, uh, for me, it was the Intercontinental title. I loved the Intercontinental title. I loved the matches. I loved that you could either tell whether a guy was going to be springboarded into the heavyweight title scene or if they were just a placeholder. Um, there was just something about seeing that title being defended versus the heavyweight title, and mainly because it was Hogan when I grew up. Hogan had it. Hogan dropped it. Hogan would get it back. Uh, he would drop it again. Somebody else would get it. Hogan would get it back. Like, you knew that was Hogan's title. So to see the pipeline of the Intercontinental title, there was something about that that drew me more to that than knowing that somebody else was going to win it off Hogan. And even when it became Sean, Brett, Undertaker, Diesel, uh, throw Sid in there, like, there was a nice rotation that we saw again with Stone Cold, Rock, Triple H, Kurt Angle. There was a nice, and Giant, there was a nice rotation in there as well, but it kind of stayed with those guys where they, it seemed like they wanted to experiment a little bit more with the IC title. So there's just something that drew me towards, uh, that, that title, not necessarily the belt or the, the, uh, evolution of the belt, whether it was a different color of strap as Hawks pointed out in chat here, or whether it was, uh, Cody Rhodes bringing back the classic look, which I love it, it, just that division, just that, you know, one week, and not that it changed on weeks, but one week it could be a Bret Hart. The next week it was, um, and they're two different generations, but a Bret Hart and then a uh, Honky Tonk Man had it. Uh, Mr. Perfect had it. The Godfather had it. Um, mm. You know, like, they, they tried to, they tried, yeah, the, the workhorse title. Like, this was a chance for guys to actually show that they could go to the next level. Does that help you answer my question? A little bit, yeah. I mean, again, I think uh, this ended up being a bit more vague than you were planning on, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, in a general sense, it probably would have been the tag title scene for the WWF. You know, and those, you know, because again, I'm growing up and it's, hey, here's the Hardys, here's the Edge and Christians, the Dudley Boys of the World, too cool. And then eventually it changes. You know, you get to like 03, 04, I become aware of TNA and it's, oh, the X Division title is the the greatest thing right now and then it still was kind of that and then it becomes like the impact heavyweight title it would continue to change depending on just how into a promotion i was at a given time first one would have been the tag titles though and i mean can't be blamed for that given they actually cared about tag teams 20 years ago so yeah and i mean that era that you grew up in with edge and christian the hardys the dudleys um you know, and even when they, they didn't have anything for the big guys, it wasn't like they put them together for no reason. They put them together because they were going to feud. Yeah. Like, putting Ricochet and Braun Strowman together as a tag team didn't make any sense. But watching, like, um, Shawn Michaels and John Cena winning the tag team titles, like, a week before they were supposed to meet, A, bad booking, but B... Kind of cool. Kind of cool to see that. And those, they coexist. Yeah. The fact that, you know, you, you kind of want to build your division and then you get two of your biggest stars come down, win the title, uh, give them up, or one of them walks out in the next match and then they lose it the next week or whatever kind of sucked. But on the same token, 
you know, it was kind of cool to see that it was a storyline thing and not just, hey, we don't have anything for you, so go into the tag team division. Like, they actually use their tag team division quite well. Hmm. Uh, there's a good question here from AJ, kind of on the same ilk. Uh, has there been a gimmick champion belt that you've liked? Uh, Ted DiBiase's million dollar title. Yeah, that's... That was kind of the first one that I experienced. Like, that was... Mm. He, he couldn't get the heavyweight title, so he just made his own title. I love that. Right. And that fit the character so well. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones more recently, but for the most part, the answer is no. I mean, you had, obviously, Cena gets the spinner bell, and then Edge has his version of it, which kind I of I hated that. And... If you're going to give a guy a title, don't make it a copy of... Or just change the logo in a spinner. Like, that had nothing to do with Edge other than his logo. Right. So, for the most part, I, I gotta say no, because I, I really don't think there are very few gimmick belts that actually worked. So, Daniel Bryan. Nothing jumps out for me. The cardboard the belt. Daniel Bryan one's a... The wood-based belt was kind of cool. For the I, I, won't, I won't hate on that. I won't hate on that. It was cool. Um, at the same time, the current WWE belt designs it just kind of gets lumped in with like, oh yeah, for the most part, the belt design's trash, so I think it looks better uh, by default. Uh, the the hardcore title as well. We've we've referenced it many times on many episodes of the smashed winged eagle with duct tape and, and Sharpie. I thought it was mm. absolutely genius. No, slightly pun intended. Uh, let's jump. Uh, oh, I was going to, I don't think I sent it to you. They, it was pretty, I saw, uh, I'm a TikTok guy, apparently. Uh, again, mm. I saw on TikTok the announcements of new titles, other than the, the really bad take on the new gold that they've released. Uh, mm. Triple H just loves that current look. And they showed like eight different, um, eight different reveals of the same belt that had either a different strap or instead of it saying champion, they got rid of that, but it's all that um, baseball diamond kind of front or whatever that started with yeah. the rock. Uh, and then, yeah, just all the, uh, hey, we have a new belt. This is what it looks like. And it's a red version. Hey, we have a new belt and it's the women's title and it's the same version. And it was like mm -hmm. an eight or nine different incarnations of that. I thought you'd like it, but I didn't send it to you. So just, you know. Like, like's an interesting word. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a strong hatred of their horrific belt designs for that company in, in modern times. It's, uh, it's a bit of a shame, to be honest. I mean, top down, the heavyweight titles looked like shit. The tag titles still kind of look like shit. The worst thing that they've had. I'm sorry, but the new-ish intercontinental title compared to old titles is shit. Like, it's just, they they miss the mark consistently for me with belt design. Uh, we have a little bit of time that, uh, I, if you want to answer Hawk's question there. Uh, what was the first moment that made you fall in love with pro wrestling? I think we've talked about it, but uh, I don't mind revisiting it really quick. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, again, I don't really have a, a one, like, defining moment. I mean, much like with hockey, both my parents watched wrestling in the 90s, so it was just on TV, and I'm like, oh, okay, what's this? So, 
it was just there. They, like it wasn't that like, oh, I was I was surfing the channels on the TV guide and up pup pop pupped up pup this wrestling thing and I I watched it and there was Stone Steve hitting the boss in the face and I said I can get behind that guy that's my guy like, that just didn't happen for me so wow shout out to Stone Steve Stone Steve <laughs> Stone Steve 316 says I don't know how to read um I... Says, whopper 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 whopper, whopper. whopper. <laughs> yeah. uh for me it was seeing a uh, back when WWE released a monthly magazine, a periodical, as we used to call them back in the day, um, Demolition was on the cover uh, with their painted faces and S&M I, gear and all. Yeah, I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> no, but I saw that and I, I opened it Something up. Something was awoken in yeah. young Crash Andrews. <laughs> I was nine. Um... Yeah, I looked at that and I, I kind of talked to my uncle about it. My uncle got me into it and took me to um, my first pay-per-view was SummerSlam 89 with Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake versus Zeus and Randy Macho Man Savage. But it was uh, it was closed circuit television. So the screens were in the middle of like it take a house show. But instead of the uh, ring, they had like uh four screens and they projected from the middle to the screens and you watched it live in the middle there and we went to the Stampede Corral and uh we got late we got there late so I don't remember the first half but I remember watching uh the main event which was amazing so um but yeah for I always uh, whenever somebody asks how I got into wrestling it was it was that magazine cover uh that's kind of what started it all for me so uh, speaking of history, hey. Tuglas, uh, yeah. by all means, uh, what happened on this day? We will clearly see that there was some fine events on this day in history. June 8th, shout out to again, TJRWrestling.net for their lovely provided articles on a daily basis. We start off Crash Andrews. In the year 1988. That's my vibe. As. <laughs> it's me. I got as, this. Go ahead. Do. Sorry. I'll as shut up. Clash of the Champions. <laughs> number two. Miami Mayhem. Was presented by Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. A.K.A. Jim Crockett Promotions. Airing on TBS. The Superstation. And. Uh. With an, with an average rating on cage match of 5.84. Let's talk about what this card was and whether or not you would enjoy it. Because we got a couple of cards. This is the way. Outside of saying happy birthday to Dan Severn. Any the good beast. Dan Severn memories? The beast. The mustache. You know, for as much of a... God, I can't believe I'm saying hard on on this episode. For as much of a hard on as... Uh... Vince, Iron Sheik has for Hulk Hogan. Yeah, the Vince has for UFC products. Um, Dan the Beast Severin did not get a fair shake in WWE. I think he was a lot better, or could have been put in better situations. Uh, Brawl for All was one of the terrible situations he got himself into, and I think that was actually something that he was supposed to win. Supposed to. 
Um, uh, so he won his first round fight and then said, this is fucking stupid. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was designed for old Dr. Death, Steve Williams to oh, win Steve to Williams, prove how right. fucking tough he is. And then he got knocked the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, I think tore his ACL on the way down as well. Once he got floored. So, uh, that yeah, was, it, that was it for old Steve. I, I he, we had we had cold Steve and out cold Steve fair. on the same show. Um, I think to Vince's credit, though, I think WWE or sorry, uh, U UFC wasn't as big, even though no, not even close. Dan Severin and um Ken Shamrock, the two crossovers, and to some mm -hmm. extent Tank Abbott in WCW, um, it did not have the same stature as it does now so a crossover now would be huge like we're seeing with uh ronda rousey but uh, like i said i think dan the beast severin was more a better fit for wwe's f but they just never really never really did anything with him of any kind of yeah significance and uh it's also the birthday of one tatanka i think any to any Tatanka memories crash? So aside from the Bobby Heenan jokes, <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing, and I've got nothing to prove this with, so I, you know, I Tatanka's wife reached out to me because I ran like the a little chintzy little podcast with my buddy on Real. Like back when real player was a thing and you could stream and record and, and all of that. And we had maybe like mm -hmm. two listeners. And out of nowhere, I got an email saying that it was Tatanka's wife. He's looking to get back in the business. And if I would help him, <laughs> I'm like, okay. who, do you, who do you think I am? Future guy I know, Coco Sports. Um, mm. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. And I think I actually like, yeah, real player seven. I think it was like real player like five back when I was using it because I'm old. Um, but yeah, it was outside of that. I thought he was a, a very, very serviceable uh, wrestler. Yeah. I thought he was pretty talented. I mean, he had the built in um, stereotypical uh, character. Sure uh, did. But at least he was actually a good native. <laughs> Yeah, true. And a good wrestler. Yes. Unlike, uh, fuck, unlike Wahoo McDaniel. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Wahoo McDaniel, a.k.a. Well, no, wait, it wasn't Wahoo. No, never mind. It wasn't Wahoo. He was, but it was, um, it was Chief J Strongbow was who I was thinking okay, of. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wahoo was the legitimate Native American. Chief J Strongbow, <laughs> real name Luke Scarpa, was from Nutley, New Jersey, Walking around in a fucking headdress. <laughs> Shout out to wrestling. Yeah, no, I I like I actually the the storyline of um uh million dollar man buying up wrestlers and how it was almost like uh, Luger Sting, but it was Luger Tatanka, and mm. they didn't know which one was turning, but somebody somebody was bought. And they they ran that for a while, and you they were really red herring uh, on um, on Lex, and it ended up being Tatanka was uh, was very heartbreaking. It was a very good storyline. Single tear rolled down Crash Andrew's cheek. No, don't, not you, Tatanka. 
Oh, God. So, anyway, NWA Clash of the Champions yes. number two, Miami Mayhem. The opener, Barry Windham, retains the NWA U.S. heavyweight title against Brad Armstrong in 13 and a <laughs> half minutes. Um, Brad Armstrong, as anybody in the business will tell you, one of the best workers in ring, but never majorly got over. And most people know him as the brother of Road Dog, which is kind of a shame. Wasn't but. Brad Armstrong, didn't he also referee recently? That was the, uh, the other was brother. The, other, the third brother. Oh, yes. the other brother, Daryl? Yes. That's a Bob <laughs> Newhart reference, kids. Daryl Fucking Armstrong. Wikipedia, that shit. Oh, God. You had uh, the NWA US tag titles, because NWA was interesting. They had their tag titles and then their secondary tag titles. Okay. It's an interesting time. Uh, but the Fantastics, Bobby Fulton, Tommy Rogers, defeated the Sheep Herders, who went on to become the Bushwhackers. I knew it. I yeah. knew it. Yeah, this was, of course, uh, when they were still very, very violent people and not licking kids' heads, <laughs> which I would argue is a worse lesson to teach kids on TV than cutting open your forehead with a razor blade. I think um, germs are dangerous, kids. Don't be licking strangers' foreheads. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think you could get the bushwhackers over post COVID. No, I don't think so either. Oh um, my god! I just had an image of the bushwhackers wrestling in the in the dome. Thunder in the Thunderdome, going out there and looking for somebody to lick, and they're like, "Huh?" Just licking the monitors. <laughs> just licking like imaginary kids. If they did like what uh, MLB did and had cardboard cutouts <laughs> in the stands, licking. Did you just say licking the monitors, like the the faces of the people watching on yeah. the computers? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And then there could be, and then Vince would would come up with the idea that there could be a peripheral, even though he can't say the word any better than I can. Um, oh, where... that you can feel it. Yeah. So there's like a tongue, like instead of a <laughs> webcam on top of your mouth, it's a tongue that, and you just. On www.shopzone.com. And that will never be misused for any other purposes. <laughs> God. Dudes. Rest, rest of this card, Jimmy and Ronnie Garvin beat the Varsity Club, Mike Rotunda, and Rick Steiner. Because, yes, Rick Steiner didn't always just team with Scott, although wasn't it glorious when they did. But also, fuck Rick Steiner, uh, based off of what happened at WrestleCon this year. I think it was WrestleCon. And if it wasn't, regardless, fuck him anyway. Uh, um, what was the first name in that one? Because I've got a lot of respect for Ronnie Garvin as a wrestler. Jimmy Jimmy, and Ronnie Garvin as a team. Oh, okay. Move on. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Nikita Koloff beat Al Perez. Al Perez got a 12-minute match. Okay. Uh, and then the main event, the four horsemen, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard against Sting and Dusty Rhodes. For the NWA World Tag Titles, ends in a double DQ in 11 minutes. We'll see you at the pay-per-view. Drop your money. <laughs> Interesting show. Did Time they... capsule. Don't know if I'll go out of my way to watch this one again. It... I mean, the nostalgia, the names that you've said, there's more than half that I recognize. So it would be an mm -hmm. interesting watch, I think. But the, he... the heavyweight title wasn't on a... Well, I mean, Clash of Champions, at least you can forgive it a little bit. Yeah, 
It's kind of one of the things that I don't like that AEW does is their Knight of Champions or whatever you not Knight of Champions Battle of the Belts. Battle of the Belts, yeah. And it's it's basically like the tag team, the the TNA or not the TNA, the TNT, and then the TBS. Like yeah. you get three or four matches. You don't get like the the heavyweight title or or anything like that. So skippable. Yeah, best word for it. Kind of. Uh, the next event. 1997, the King of the Ring. Live from Providence, Rhode Island, the Providence Civic Center that later became the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Ooh. The dunk. They need to come back with King of the Ring as a full night. I wouldn't be against it. I mean, it really is perfect. Again, I loved it from the standpoint of 2002 was perfect. Brock Lesnar wins it and then gets the title shot at SummerSlam. It's fucking brilliant. Yes, yeah. you do the same thing for Mania. You have the Rumble as the setup for Mania. Yeah. Have the King of the Ring as the setup for SummerSlam. It fucking writes itself. But hey, what are you going to do? They're printing money anyway, so who gives a shit? Well, and even the matchups uh, made no sense. But they were great matches. It just, it worked. It worked on so many levels. Well, we'll see if you feel that way after reading about this King of the Ring. So, <laughs> I think it I watch, opens. I watched this one live. Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeating Ahmed Johnson in under eight minutes. Oh my, I know where this is heading. I know exactly where this is heading. Keep going. Match number two and another King of the Ring semifinal match. Mankind defeats Jerry Lawler. Yep. Uh, by the way, uh, the Triple H match, uh, <laughs> average rating on cage match of a 4.14. The Mankind match was a 5. Our next match, the worst match of the night at a 3.86 as Goldust beats Crush in 10 minutes. Ooh. 10 minutes for that. That's a choice. Crush was a great character, but I don't he think was I've... crushing pineapples, not as yeah. a, hey, I got out of prison after selling steroids. But I. <laughs> You're such an optimistic fella. Um, no, <laughs> That's but what happened, though. That's what happened. No, but I, I'm even trying to think of like a good crush match. And the only one I can think of is when and we've referenced it before. Uh, WrestleMania 10. Where <laughs> Randy Macho Man Savage uh, tied his feet mm -hmm. up, pulled him up and then. And then ran to the ring. The falls count anywhere or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Good but time. There, I don't think there was a good crush match. I don't put that on gold dust. That's what that's the, the bottom line that I'm getting to. That's not a gold dust yeah. issue. That's a crush issue. Jim Neidhart, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog against Psycho Sid and the Legion of Doom. That'd be a fun match. I'm scared to hear what the rating was. 5.31, which is uh, the third highest rated match on the show. What's what's this out of? Is it out of 10? Yes. Jesus. Because <laughs> I'm like, when when you said that that one match was a 5, I'm like, okay, we, we're using Meltzer ratings or whatever, but... Oh, I, not 5 no. stars. 5 oh. out of 10. Yeah, I can't imagine that <laughs> that Mankind would get a 5 star rating match. From Meltzer. Mm. Keep going. King of the Ring final, Triple H over Mankind. Mankind. Yep. Yep. Uh, as soon as you said, locks. Uh, as soon as you said, um, Triple H and then Mankind, 
uh, I went to the pay-per-view after this. That was uh, Canadian Stampede. Followed this mm-hmm. one. And my son gets sick of... I... Without doxing too much... There it is. Uh, without doxing too much, I get to go through the back entrance of the Saddle Dome. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I remind my son almost every time we go that, uh, that that's where Triple H and, and Mankind fought was in that back parking lot. Like, every time I look back there, I'm like, that's that happened there. That was very cool. It's right there. <laughs> was there no heavyweight title? There was no... So, two more matches. Okay, fair. Tag title partners collide as the rematch between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart falls apart, so instead you get Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold Ending in a double DQ after 22 and a half minutes. What happened with Sean and Brett? I'm not being facetious. 1997. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so they were supposed to fight, but then they didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, I think they fought. It was just backstage around this time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought maybe they had a match and then like Brett got injured. So they're like, oh, somebody's got to come and fight Sean. He did have a knee surgery at that time that I think he was still recovering from. Right oh, okay, and then that that probably led to... Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense because the Canada-US uh, feud mm-hmm. uh, was going on at that time, too. So, yeah, he... Indeed and then most of that was bred in the wheelchair. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. That does make sense. The main event of this show for the WWF World Heavyweight title... The Undertaker defends against Farouk. (laughs) That's unfortunate. With the story being, why can't a black man be world champion? Mm. And as Kofi Kingston would discover later on, it's because Brock Lesnar wasn't a wrestler yet. (laughs) So that way he could take the belt off of him. It's because of the executives of a major television company did not have a say on who had a belt on their TV, their television channel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was not a very good pay-per-view. Uh, I, I, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to go back and watch this one. either. <laughs> I think, I think I like, we used to watch it every pay-per-view at this point, me and my buddy. So I would want to go back because of the fond memories of uh Canadian stampede in your house. Mm-hmm. So, Again, it's for me. It's nostalgia. It's not. It's not like ECW. Uh, what do we call it? Fight the power. Uh, <laughs> that I I want to watch that one for the stupidity. This one, it's just it's the nostalgia. No, I'm not looking out for what sounds like there's no good match in there. Two thousand eight, TNA presents Slammiversary. This is an interesting one as well. I figured why not go over this one. The show opens with Petey Williams defend Petey Williams with Scott Steiner yes. and Haraka Khan. So a uh, little Petey Pump here defending the X Division title against Kazarian. I would have been all over this match. Uh, <laughs> I I want to see more of Frankie Kazarian. I respect him, but I I can't say that I've seen a match with him in. It's very good. Very, very good. Even back then. 
Even when he was uh, holding down the fort on WWE Velocity. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Six-woman tag match. Gail Kim ODB and Roxy Laveau defeat Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, and Moose. No, not that Moose with the conductor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but a, uh, a different Moose. It was a different Moose. I was going to say, I remember ODB. Uh, ODB was great. Yeah, it was a good character. Uh, You had the TNA World tag titles on the line. Homicide and Hernandez defending against Team 3D, Brother Devin and Brother Ray. (laughs) Uh, They had a really weird feud at the time, too. They really did. You have the $25,000 challenge. I don't know for what, but Awesome Kong and Serena Deeb. Interesting. Serena. Interesting matchup. And then Awesome Kong defeated someone named Josie Robinson immediately after that. Yep. And beat her too. So As, as yes. Awesome Kong would. As she should. Uh, AJ Styles defeating Kurt Angle in the match of the night. That makes sense. And the main event for the TNA World Title, King of the Mountain, the Jeff special Jared. enforcer, Jeff Kevin Jared Nash. Wins. Did Jeff Jared win the King of the Mountain? Tell yeah, me Jeff Jared won the King of the Mountain. Samoa Joe retains the title, defeating Booker T, Christian, Rhino, and Robert Roode. Oh, well, I mean, Jeff Jared wasn't in this match, therefore it's not really a King of the Mountain match. I agree. Um... <laughs> Not one of TNA's finest uh, outputs. I again would like. I mean, I might go back for the nostalgia, but I gotta be honest. If I were to go back for the nostalgia, there were different events I can watch. Um, you know, I finished up Ted Lasso a week late, um, but I discovered that it was attached to the Apple account that I've had for years and years and years. Um, I have old episodes of Impact on that nice. Apple account. Nice. I'm gonna go back and watch those instead of Slammiversary 2008. You know. In that era of TNA, it was like as a new guy would jump ship, as a, you know, as Kevin Nash showed up, as Booker T showed up, as Mick Foley showed up, it it just started, I never watched it to begin with, but it just kind of lost its way in, um, I think, what it intended to be mm. with like the Samojos and the the AJ Styles and the Christopher Daniels and the PD Williams and, you know, like to build uh, new stars, almost like what we're seeing with AEW now, uh, regardless of who's jump ship to there. But I, 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 when I hear that AJ Styles had a match with Kurt Angle, you mm. know, AJ Styles having matches against these guys, like, he wouldn't have had that opportunity if he signed with WWE earlier. Maybe a little bit. And I don't think WWE would use him in the same role as they have him now or how they had him five years ago. So I'm back when it was happening. I hated it. But hearing, you know, the matches that AJ Styles was able to have in that era, I I'm actually kind of glad that those did happen, if that makes sense. Our final event, we jump all the way forward to 2016 NXT TakeOver, The End. 
Ooh. Turns out it wasn't the end. Uh, but this <laughs> was an interesting time for NXT. This is obviously the highest rated event uh, on cage match that we have looked at out of this so far. Right. The opener sees, I don't know if it was his debut, but it was close. But Andrade Almas defeats Ty Dillinger. Um, this was before Andrade kind of found his... Uh, his stride wasn't he NXT. kind of yeah he was kind of more like a cuban playboy when he first started yes yeah yes and this was that era of like oh he's got suspenders on and it's like, oh god just... yeah hadn't found selena vega yet correct it's amazing he recovered locks thing. the next match the match of the night the revival against american alpha for the nxt tag titles i i i just don't understand why WWE did not know what they had with the current FTR. Shout yeah. out Florida Panthers, by the way. It's 2-1. Indeed it is. You're a little bit ahead of my stream there, but there you oh, go. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I'm about <laughs> um, to watch the goal. Here it comes. Shot scores. Would you believe it? <laughs> Florida Panthers just won game three. My indicator Crazy. just went when you said shot scored for the, uh, the 10 bits from locks. No, but I mean... There you go. Like tag team wrestling, and they that was their shtick too. Like old school tag team wrestling. There's just something about those two guys doing more beat 'em up than flips and kicks. You know, all punches, no flips, or whatever. Like love all f all fists, all no fists, flips. no flips. Um, love FTR, and the fact that WWE didn't know what to do with them is not surprising. And American Alpha were awesome as well. And they didn't know what to do with them on the main roster, too, except make Jason Jordan Kurt Angle's son. My black son. <laughs> the fucking family guy meme every time. Oh, God. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura against Austin Aries. Yeah, Austin yes, Aries. Please. Yeah. Austin Aries is such a wasted talent. It's so, so good, but just a gigantic douche. It really is a shame. You you cannot know how good you are. Like, that is the rule, is you have to believe that you're not as good as everybody tells you. You have to believe that there's even more to go. But he knew. He yeah. knew how good he was, and he told everybody, and that was his downfall. Completely agree. It's a shame, too. I was a big fan of his, even back to the Ring of Honor days. Yeah, just a I, shame. I was stoked to see him in NXT. I was really excited yeah. to see him uh, on that stage. And He wasn't there long, either, before the whole cruiserweight call-up. And injury. I mean, he... Yeah, there was the injury, and he had the cruiserweight title at a mania, or was at least involved in the pre-show match. Right. WrestleMania roller coaster. Orlando. Yeah, there you go. Um, women's title match, Asuka defends against Nia Jax. As bad as Nia Jax was on the main roster, as, as dangerous, legitimate dangerous as she was on the main roster, I really liked her NXT run. I feel like she should have had the Ken Shamrock gimmick. Yeah. The world's most dangerous woman. Yeah. Yeah. I could it see that. It would have been fitting. That would have been pretty fitting. The main event of the show, steel cage match for the NXT title, Samoa Joe Finn Balor. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you got to watch that one, right? I'm actually kind of surprised that DIY 
wasn't I don't know if they were they were still a tag team at the time so I don't know if it was injury or or anything that kept them off but that was kind of as you're going through the um the list there I'm like okay where's where's DIY in all of this uh the very next takeover was Brooklyn 2 and that was a match against the Revival which was phenomenal yes absolutely yes, phenomenal was. Yes, indeed. This is a great era for NXT. Absolutely tremendous. So yeah, out of those four, uh, I'd, I'd watch the NXT event again. I don't know about the rest of them, but the NXT event's certainly interesting. There is uh, the Venom-inspired Demon Valor, mm. as AJ's uh, posted in the in the chat. But that, what a great era. I mean, there's like two or three, you know, two generations, you could say three generations of NXT. Once, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? The, the foundation of the first era goes up. The, the guys who are left step up and they create their own, uh, you know, their own shtick. They, they make the company theirs. They get called up. The next guys step up. They make the company theirs. They go up. And then NXT just kind of falls apart. It was it's amazing how how much turnover they had, how well it worked until it didn't. It was uh like once once you had the uh DIYs, the um the horsewomen all move up, there's really nothing like there wasn't anybody who wanted to step up. They were part of NXT. So they were I don't know if it was the work ethic or anything like that, but they didn't really fight as hard. So oh, now... they tried to fight AEW on Wednesdays and yeah. did not fare very well, and then Vince said, you fucking lost? NXT 2.0, baby! Look at this color palette! Yeah, no, they... Oh. And even with, uh, I don't know if you saw, but Mustafa Ali's back down, um, mm. Baron Corbin's back down, Dana Brooke is back down now, so I do like the back and forth. I think that should have happened a little bit more in the early stages, which it kind of did in the beginning. But, um, yeah, it's NXT's kind of lost its way once, you know, the Adam Coles jumped. And um trying to think who else. Cause the, a lot of people. Well, yeah, the, the undisputed, undisputed era was the, uh, uh, was kind of the end of NXT. And they haven't been able to recover since. So... Bring back Bobby Fish. That's what I'm hearing. To NXT? <laughs> I'm going to put him on the main roster. He's going to be there doing the, the science by himself. He's like, hey guys, I'm the Undisputed Era. Him and Sabu. Oh my god. Two young up-and-comers. Jesus. <laughs> well, with that, Tooks, where can people complain about what you just... Uh, anything you've said <laughs> on this this episode nowhere leave me alone i don't care about your opinions love you uh 2g24 everywhere uh <laughs> everywhere crash andrews except on twitter you gotta put a stupid underscore in between crash and andrews and i check daily and you remember when elon said they were gonna delete inactive accounts they didn't if only he accidentally deleted his own account and then Traveled to Mars and never came back. I offered the kid ten bucks to to relinquish the the name. Gosh, the guy who has it's probably dead. 
or forgot the password. There's a okay. There's one that you can recover and one that you can't. God, we got dark oh. toogie. You throw the hood on again, like evil Kermit. Jesus. <laughs> uh, you can catch. Our... We have no. We have no Heenan quote today. We'll see you. No, we I'll do. see you in a few weeks when I'm back from Finland. Crash might have a guest on in the meantime. Who's to say? But the thing to remember on the way out is the Iron Sheik's gigantic dong. I, we'll no, see no, you no, later, no, everybody. No, no, no. I've, we got to do out. the Heenan quote. We got to do the Heenan quote. Ready? Ready? I'm out. Ready? Uh, two things that scare me most about wrestling fans is that they're allowed to vote and allowed to reproduce. And he Irish goodbye. Son of a bitch.